How we doing? How we doing? Just you're smiling. I guess we don't need this right now. This is all right. We're learning. Hard to teach an old dog new tricks, but it's all the attitude. Someone said, I think it was uh, Chuck Swindoll, it said 90% is life. No. 10% is life, what happens to you, and 90% is attitude. Does that make sense? Many things in this life we cannot control. We have no control over them. Only thing we can control with the help of the Lord is our attitude and our, our reaction. And sometimes I fail that test and overreact, panic. Oh, yes. You've never panicked? Okay. I'm glad you're so strong. No, just kidding. We are sometimes very human. And it's okay because the Lord says, when you are weak, I am strong in you. I am made strong in you. There may be days when you don't always feel like you're on top. Amen? Some of you wish you had one day or two days you could be on top. Just feel good. And I think we have this thinking sometimes we're guilt-tripped because we know Jesus, we shouldn't have any negative thoughts, we shouldn't, you know, everything should be just perfect. That's not always the case. I was shocked to read the, the newspaper that said, after pastor's suicide, his family was, you know, somebody you probably read that, his family was actually trying to bring awareness. So even people in the ministry can get down. They may, may, they may never show it when they're in front, but you just never know. So what I'm trying to lead into is that we are the church that Jesus Christ has saved through his blood. That doesn't mean that we have arrived. That only means we're begin, we've begun the walk. We've begun the race. We've begun to, after we accept Christ, we begin to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. We learn what is it that the Lord wants us to not only do, but what he wants us to be. And sometimes we're feel guilty if we're not doing enough, right? Maybe I'm the only one. But I think you've been there probably a time or two, but the Lord's word is quite clear that he just wants us first and most. Number one is to love him. That's pretty good. That's pretty... That's, that sounds, I can do that. I can love God. I can love God because he's first loved me. And so when we read the book of Ephesians, Paul was in prison. He was writing these words to encourage the other folks that were 
beginning their walk with the Lord. And we're going to talk today a little bit about this walk. Nobody know that you just set a pace. This race that we talk about is not a sprint. Not an all-out who can get there first across the first, you know, the first one to come in. It's the goal is to finish. How many like to finish projects? Amen. Amen. How many got projects you got unfinished projects? Yeah, I, I relate to that. Don't come to my house. Oh my goodness. We don't, especially don't look at my shop. We got things thrown in there and it's just a mess right now. Lots of cleaning. Things pile up. What is it about this life? Why do I hang on to so many things? Paul didn't have a much the moment he was writing from this prison cell. But he was richer than all the gold, all the things that you could put in a pile. He was richer than all of that because of Christ, the one who redeemed him. Had changed his life, had opened his eyes to see that the path he was on was destructive. The path that he was on was, was leading to eternal separation from God, and God intervened. And Paul now had turned his life to devote his life to the pro proclamation and the preaching and the teaching of God's holy word. And God was giving, through the help of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration to write these words down so long ago Yet these words are what we come to understand. They are the words of the Lord himself through the Holy Spirit. All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, correction, reproof. That the man of God may be equipped. So chapter 4, we had, before chapter 4, let's just take a couple of moments to review chapter 3 a little bit. Paul was describing this revelation that he received from the Lord. He's described it as a mystery. The mystery was that Jews and Gentiles would share in the inheritance of the Lord. Unheard of. God's chosen people were the Jewish nation. But God's also calling all peoples. Everyone who will believe. To be specific, verse 8, he said, I was the least, now why did Paul say that? I was the least of all the saints. I think he had, had understood how much he had been saved from. How much misery and pain he had killed Christian prior to his salvation. How much God's grace came down to Paul, stubborn, set in his ways. Even when Stephen was being stoned to death, a young man named Saul was there to encourage him along. I'm so glad for the grace of God that saves. Saul never deserved this by the mercies of God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We see in scriptures over and over again 
how the grace of God goes out toward his people. The nation of Israel would fail and stumble, and they would sin. They would walk away from God, and they would be, God would judge them, and then they would come back to the Lord, and God would pick them up again and go on. Over and over and over again. And then we learn a little bit about the tribulation. Paul wrote in verse 13 of chapter 3, don't lose heart. You see, some people, for some reason, seem like they're called to go further than others in their trial. I don't know. I don't understand that. I don't wish trial on anyone, but I know this, that you can't go through this life without it. Some degree of trial, some degree of testing, because God said in this life, his words is very clear, in this life you will have trial, but I have overcome. And some of you have lost, have lost loved ones lately in recent years. Christ understands loss, losses. He understands the, the void. And he comes to say, I will be your strength in your time of sorrow. For this reason, I bow my knees. Now Paul goes into this wonderful prayer. And we get all the way down and down to verse 19 and verse 20, and he begins to conclude this prayer now to him who is able. We can stop right there and just begin to fill up on, now to him who is able, now to him who is able. When I look at all the stuff that is that is heavy, that is hard to carry, then I begin to sink. But when I look at Jesus, who is able, who is able, he is a strong God. He is a God who is able. He is not limited by our weakness. So, we are blessed Beyond all measure. We can't, I can't think big enough. We, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that we ask or think. He doesn't just give us a little trick. We remember the feeding of the 5,000. There were 12 baskets left over. He goes over the top. Exceeding abundantly. Now we get to the, verse, the verses of the day, chapter 4, and verse 1. Therefore, I like how Paul is, therefore, therefore. What does he say? Well, because of, because of. I entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So number one, when we have been uh, save Jesus has called us. Jesus is calling people today. Jesus is calling people out of their misery. Jesus is still calling people out of their sin to walk differently. There's a way that seems right, but it leads to destruction. The road that Jesus described to his disciples was narrow. Many are on the wide road, the easy road, the, the road to just live for self, that's wide. Many are on it. 
But few are on the narrow road that leads to eternal life. I want to be on the narrow road. I want to be on that road that leads to my Savior. And so this manner that he speaks about is because he has called us. We have been, giving, been given some wonderful privileges because he's called us. You have been given the privilege to house the Holy Spirit in you because he has called you. He's placed the Holy Spirit in you. He's sealed you. You, you are his, and he's speaking to you. He's encouraging. He helps us understand truth. The Holy Spirit, one of his main jobs is to help people come to understand their need for Jesus and to accept truth. Truth right now in our world is being muddled. Truth in our world today is being confused with untruth. And isn't it what the enemy started in the garden? All the way back in the Garden of Eden. God didn't really mean what he said. Did he? You won't die if you eat of that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Go ahead. You deserve it. That's what happened. And Jesus, still today, is here for us, not against us. He says to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. I've often referred to this. Some of you know quite well because you're my siblings. My father was a smart man and he would only put $5 worth of gas in the truck. $5, $5, well, what in the world? $2, $2. Because he knew the boys would take it. <laughs> you know what? That was smart. And uh, I, I didn't think too much of it. He was drawing boundaries. Boundaries. And the Lord does that with us. He says, you walk this way, but you can't eat to that tree. That's, that's off limits. And he tests us. Where I was going with this with my father is that growing up, I knew that he loved God. I knew that my parents loved God. And after all they've done for me, I would be foolish to take advantage of them because they know it would break their hearts. So the relationship with my parents, I'm trying to compare to our relationship with our God. If our God is close to us, in other words, you love God, Therefore, I will not disobey him. 
Does that make sense? It doesn't. You see, the list of the, the commandments are there. The law. The law, Paul, Paul said there's a weakness. There was this. The law only told us what we did wrong. Jesus comes to equip us to do what is right and avoid the wrong. He makes us, he enables us. That's the difference between law and relationship. And so Jesus was, he got angry a time or two in his ministry. Once was when the Pharisees were taking advantage of the poor people. And they were adding to the law to give themselves gain. Once in the temple, those who were the money changers, those that were the time of the, of the feast, many, many people were there. And Christ observed what was going on. There not only money change going on in the temple, but there was there was people that were taking advantage, advantage, and using because money can become a root of all evil, the love of it. And Jesus cleaned house that day. Because in this later in the chapter, we're going to do with the emotion of anger. Just we're going to touch on it. We're not going to dwell on it. But we, well, if we get there, we'll touch on it. But Jesus. I used to think being angry was a sin, but then I read Ephesians and I tried to click with it. You know what? It says, be angry and sin not. He didn't say anger was sin, but you can be very vulnerable when you're angry and you're more apt to sin. Say something that could become sinful. Now, walking. What is it? What's the. Well, I'll give the answer away. In order to walk, what do we got to do? Put one foot in front of the other, right? One foot in front of the other. So we don't always know what the path's going to have on it, right? We don't know the future per se, the details. We don't know all the details. And I liked how Vern brought out a couple of weeks ago, he talked about the psalmist saying that the word is a light to my path, a lamp unto my feet. And he likened it to a, when a person dims their you know, high beam and you, know, you want to see further down the road so you, you keep it on high. And doesn't it irritate you when someone doesn't dim their lights? It's so irritating, right? You've had that. And so, what's the human thing to do? What's the human nature? Flash them right back. Right? That gets their tension, right? I don't advise to do that, but I'm just trying to make a point. Our humanity wants to... Well, they've got it coming. Right? Jesus is saying... Walk with me, and I will show you a better way. I will show you how to overcome 
evil. I will show you how to rise above circumstances that are rough, that are not fun, that are heavy. He says, take my yoke upon you. What is he saying? Be in right relationship. Walk with me. Talk to me, and I will talk to you, and I will carry your Lord. I will make your Lord light. Wow. <coughs> your Lord may be heavy today. Jesus is saying, I want to lighten. I want to make your Lord light. How many want that to happen? Your load is certain. Certain there's certainly there's a they, there there's a limit. Now, the other day we were talking about some friends who used to pick up cars for, you know, sport. I mean, literally pick them off the ground and move them. I think there's a fellow out here that used to do that too. Strong. Strong. <coughs> That's a heavy load. You see, our walk with Christ is not dependent upon what others are doing. We shouldn't get it caught up in the trap that, well, I could be like so-and-so like I did in college. If I could preach like that person, oh, then I would have it made. Your walk is special. Remember what Jesus was talking to his disciples after he came back from the grave and before his ascension. He called out, Peter, Peter, Peter. Follow me. Three times. He asked him, do you love me? Some will say, well, it's because he denied the Lord three times. That's speculation. We don't know that for sure. The point is this, Peter, you're going to love me more than these? Some would say, well, that was a fish that was his, that was his livelihood, his career. Could have been. The point is this, anything that takes the place of our walk with Jesus, become a, a snare, an entrapment. When we lose ground, we backslide. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. That's the gene. That's only in God's hands. I think we can, to a degree, we can say, I don't want you, God. God has no choice. The point is this. Do you love me? Jesus is saying, will you love me? You, what, what, what about John? What about John over here? Jesus said, don't worry about John. I have called him. I have a different calling for him. All the disciples, as we know, were, were, were martyred. They died as a martyr. Some were crucified. Some others other ways. John lived on. He died you know, more of a natural, but he was tortured. He was left on the island of Patmos. 
He was just sent there to get rid of him. Isn't it interesting how God used John to pen the book of Revelation that we have to read today that we have so much. We are so blessed. Isn't it interesting out of pain and out of suffering, something good comes out of it. If God is into this, what the enemy meant for evil, God turns it around for good. And God could take that brokenness of our life and take our, our problems and our, our mistakes and our messes, and he could bring something good out of it all because he is in the business of restoring, 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 and redeeming, purchased by his own blood. Because he lives, we used to sing that song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because I know he holds the future. He holds the future. I don't have all the answers, but I know the one who has all the answers. And some things he's revealed to us now, and some things he will not reveal to us until later. And so we walk by faith and not by sight, no matter how you feel, how your body responds, what it does in its seasons of life. He is still with you. There's one body, verse 4. There's one spirit, just as you were called, one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one bath. Now, why do we have so many denominations? Oh, I don't want to help. I don't want to open that can of worms only to say this. Men and women have different personalities, different backgrounds, just different ways you were raised and what you were exposed to. We're not here to put down other denominations. We're here to lift up the name of Jesus. Someone said to me when we left Palisade, there are good people wherever you go. And so we need to look past the denomination and see the person, see the people of God, that God is using other denominations as well. But the one God thing, the one God, we're serving the one God. We're in one. And that's what brings unity. You have brothers and sisters around the world in different ways they worship, different styles of music, different styles. There's places in Africa where they go on for hours just in the worship time. We're Norwegian, you know, we sing three, three, four, and we're good. Different cultures. God loves them all. God loves all peoples that will humble themselves. There are so many good people that I've met in this community. They're so I feel so rich. I was driving to work the other day and I was thinking, my, my Lord, you have blessed. It's not hardly a road I can go by and I say, so-and-so lives there. That's, that's where I'm, I'm starting to get old. You know, I'm starting to talk old now. 
You know, I've been in the community. Aiken County grew up there, you know, and you know, just, you know, the people you know, you know, there's some names that you just, you know, they're there and, and, and there's families. It's a good thing. I think God wants us to grow where we're planted. Grow where you're planted. Put down roots. See, it's about people. Our greatest resource next to God is people. 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 The saints. All those talks on us. You know, I'm a kind of a guy that looks to peek at the end of his book, you know, before I read the first part. But... Sorry. Pray on behalf that the utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make both known with the boldness the mystery of the gospel. And I, I missed the scripture previous to that. Pray at all times in the spirit with, uh, with perseverance and petition for all the saints. For all the saints. Guess what? You and I need prayer. I want prayer. I need prayer. I need people praying. Why? Because we are in this battle spiritual battle. And we are in need of people to support one another. So the fivefold ministry, prophet, uh, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Fivefold, they're in this chapter. And I'm not going to take, I'm just mentioning it because I want to get to the end of this little chapter and deal with some things, but here's the goal. It's God's design. Apostles are people who are sent. Apostle means sent. Uh, You would probably uh, liken an apostle to a person who would go to a a foreign land uh, and and extraordinary miracles would happen. Uh, The church and the book of Acts, they had Extraordinary miracles under the apostles, the original apostles, the people in, in, in essence, the apostles, to be a true apostle had to be an eyewitness of Jesus. And Paul was in the category because he had, he had seen the Lord. Now, apostles in our day, are there apostles? I believe, I believe that God is still using apostles, people that go into unknown territory. By the grace of God, they're able to affect people and build a church, and they move on. They're apostles. Prophets are people who are speaking uh, for, for God. They speak uh, f- things for. They not, it's not all, always about the future, but it's Pro, uh, proclaiming prophetic ministry that they're under the leading, very, very uh, demonstrated by the power of the Holy Spirit. That they're not, they're not just thinking these things at the, off the top of their head, but they're definitely uh, prophets. Right? The one who comes to mind, David, David Wilkerson, who's not now passed on. So, somebody may know of him, but he was a man of prayer. And he would, he would get things from the Lord, and he would write in his letter, send them out. And I know he's written some books, but David Wilkerson comes to mind. Others, evangelists, are pastors. Pastors are, 
I'm called by God to encourage, to, to feed, to equip you know, teachers. Uh, some, some have really the gift of teaching. And they can explain things better than I can. I don't claim to have the gift of teaching. I would say pastoring would be that. Evangelist, doesn't mean you have to have a, a, a bus and have a band. It doesn't mean you have to have all those things to be an evangelist. Evangelists are ordinary people. God uses one-on-one evangelists. You're, you're, you're reaching to your level. You're reaching to your neighbor. You're speaking uh, uh, evangelically. You're, you're encouraging people to believe. You're encouraging people to walk. And, and, and I want to say this. Your greatest evangelical tool is the Holy Spirit in you. And when he says to you, speak, you can tell. You can tell this is a God moment. And God orchestrates, the, I, I call them divine appointments. God, you will look back and you, you couldn't have organized it yourself. But you, somehow you run across paths with somebody and you got into conversation. And for somehow, or you're in the hospital, wherever it may be, God orchestrated and you were able to encourage people. That's evangelical. You need those people. And all these five-fold minutes equips, equips the, the saints to do the work. Here's the goal of the, uh, of, the, of the church, verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to him, maturing, maturing, maturing. That's making progress. When you're growing in the Lord, that encourages us. That encourages one another. How we're encouraged is to see people grasping that, catching it. And I would say this, I know from experience, I probably have caught more things than I've taught, been taught. How, what do I mean by that? Well, let me explain it this way. How many remember the five sermons that changed your life? Surely, surely you remember five. <laughs> Two? But how many could name five people? Will encourage your life in a good way. Probably. Probably could come up with five. What does that tell us? That it tells us this your life, your walk is influencing people. Yeah? People need to see. What it means to be a follower of Christ. I have caught myself thinking, what would so-and-so do? Or how would my father react to this? How probably I've been influenced by people that I don't even know or think about even really. In some way, and see this, 
And it just doesn't, it, it continues on. Because we are living stones. In another place, that was Peter's letter. Paul's letter, he uses the body, the joints. Verse 16, the, uh, the whole analogy in Corinthians, he talked about the ear. He talked about the hand, the foot. But this little verse 16, from the whole, from whom the whole body being fitted, held together by that which every joint supplies. Remember when you used to sing that little song, well, the backbone connected to the neck bone and all that good stuff? You remember that stuff? Yeah, it's in the scriptures. You didn't know that, did you? Yeah, you did. You do now. But here's the good stuff. It's unique. Everything is put together. I like how Paul says, of course I'm going to like this. I shouldn't like this. This is my worst. He causes the growth. Oh, see how many people that one, that person brought to the Lord? Well, that's his gift. Well, I only brought one. What's your gift? You help that person that they brought over here. You encourage that. They brought Paulus water. Or Paulus planted. You remember that scripture in Corinthians? Paulus, Paulus was another minister. Paul planted Apollos water, and they were arguing. The people in the church were, well, I'm saved under Apollos' ministry. Why? Paul goes, it don't matter. What matters is that you're saved, and God saved you. God did the work. God Caused the growth. The people in the early church, they preached. Peter preached. 3,000 one day came to the Lord. Not a bad day. Yeah. It isn't always going to be that way. Now listen. I still remember. We're not going to get to the angry part. I'm going over this. So we'll save it. We'll, we'll touch on it. I want to conclude with this. And some of you remember, my siblings will remember this. Brother Glenn Galt. Remember Brother Glenn? He was the kind of guy who would be the first to testify if there was testimonies in the church. When we used to have testimony service, boom. And the first words out of his mouth, God is good. Every time, God is good. Then he'd go on with something. And it was that man. Who I remember when I was a boy kneeling at the altar praying. He came by and I felt, ooh. Glenn, praying. I felt God. I felt God. I felt changed. I felt different. And it was Glenn that stood with Tears streaming down his face in a, minister, in a, in a men's meeting, in a, in a fellowship. Some of you don't know what that is, but our denomination used to have, we used to go monthly. We rotate churches, have a church service on a Monday, and start at like 4 o'clock, and then we'd have supper, and then we'd have another service. 
And it was Glenn that was through crying, speaking to the men, said, listen, guys, this is what we need to do. We need to encourage someone else. If you can just encourage someone else, you're, in the, you're ministering. And so what encourages people is that uh, in ways, think of ways you can encourage. What encourages you? What encourages you? Someone maybe remembers your birthday. Someone probably maybe thinks of you when you're in need. How can we encourage them? That's what it's all about. Encourage one another. Ethan, come. Before I get all up on something else here. Um, why do we make it so hard sometimes? When the ministry is really, number one, love God. Number two, love people. Love people. If I love God, uh, people aren't so bad then. I start to see their good points. You know, there's some rascals. There's some people that are harder to love. Maybe they have some more challenges going on. They test us. They test us. They test our patience. So 